Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And I'm going to bring you what I know will be a two-parter, so settle in, everyone. If you're a Patreon, you'll get your second part right away, don't worry. But if you're not, feel free to join us, patreon.com, excuse me, crimecurious at patreon.com, and you can get both parts right away instead of having to wait a week for them. So I am, I'm going to tell you a little story today. This is a little bit of a different type of case in that is there is a crime, but we don't have a murder. There, oh. there is loss for sure, but there is no murder, but it's still a very compelling story that I think really, really deserves to be told. So this is the story of Misha Solomon. Um, this is a South African case. I did ask uh, one of our South African listeners for some clarification on how to pronounce names so that I'm doing the best that I can here because when you plug it into the Google Translate website, it has just a little bit of a different vernacular to it. So... Hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, but Miche has not always been Miche. We're going to get to that later. She was born April 30th, 1997. And this isn't a story of an abusive childhood or traumatic past that contributed to a person's later delinquency, like we typically see. It's a little bit of a different kind of story. Miche grew up with loving parents, and their names were Lavona and Michael Solomon. And they lived in Retreat, Cape Town, South Africa. Michael actually wasn't able to make it to Miche's birth because he was an apprentice electrician at the time and he was away on work. But when he returned home, he was greeted with a beautiful baby girl that really favored his side of the family with dark hair and dark eyes. They lived in Sea Winds at the time, but moved to Hillview when Miche was about four years old. So... Miche had an older brother named Gerald, but Gerald is actually her cousin. Uh, technicalities like this are just nuances to the family, though. Uh, Miche's mother, Lavona, had a sister who gave birth to Gerald but was not able to care for him. So Lavona took him in, raised him as her own, and he actually even calls her mom. And Lavona was caring for Gerald even before she met Michael, her husband. So they were a package deal. So when Michael and Lavona started dating, they weren't actually really exclusive with one another. It was just kind of a casual dating from, from what I'm gathering. Um, they were openly dating other people at the time. Um, and Michael even had a daughter with another woman, as a matter of fact. And then shortly after this, Lavona announced that she was pregnant with Miche. And so they, at that time, became exclusive. And they did end up waiting to get married until she was, Miche was about two or so. Okay. So raising someone else's child was never a problem for Lavona because she could love children as her own. And not all people can. You and I, in the work that we do, have seen that. Yeah, it doesn't always work out that way for sure. It doesn't. Sadly, Gerald is 10 years older than Miche. So this is what comprises the family unit because Lavona and Michael were not able to have any other children because Lavona actually suffered several miscarriages even before uh, oh. Michael throughout her life. She always struggled mm -hmm. um, to carry pregnancies to full term. So um, Miche actually recalled even remembering seeing her mom cry over losing a baby uh, when she was a young child. Um, I will, I did forget to put this in the very beginning, but I mentioned it sometime in the notes, but I'd like to bring it up that this story comes firsthand from Miche. She wrote a book and I didn't use a ton of other sources and you'll understand why as we get through the the story because it becomes very obvious that the media was not a trusted source in this situation. And I really feel like the only perspective that I care to fully understand and know in this situation is Miche's. And that will all make sense 
later on. So gotcha. a lot of this is based on her book, which is linked in the show notes. But if I were to tell you the title of it right now, it's going to going to give away what we're leading up to. Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So where was I? Let's see. So Lavona had lost many, many babies in her life. I would like to talk more at this point in time about Lavona. Her childhood was full of many struggles. She was one of six children, and she had to work at a very young age to get food for her and her siblings. She was the primary caregiver of her young siblings. Um, She was actually married before Michael, and that husband was both sexually and very physically abusive. He would rape and torture her. One of his torture techniques was to shock her with wires while she was sleeping. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's awful. And she was really young um, when she was married to him. So I, I can't imagine not even being a full adult and having to go through this. Yeah. Um, so she's, she has seen a lot of struggle in her life. When she was 16, she had a daughter named Yolanda. And unfortunately, when Yolanda was six weeks old, Lavona had come home from school and was told by her family that Yolanda had suddenly passed away, possibly from SIDS. There's no suspect of foul play or anything like that. It's just she passed, she she died. Lavona had actually held Yolanda the entire time until the ambulance came to to take her away. I think I think I've painted a picture here that life yeah, was not easy. No, it wasn't. Lavona. And despite that, she really was a loving tender, caring mom to Miche. That's amazing. So no matter what we end up talking about here, I that part was very, very abundant in Miche's book. Now, her childhood, Miche, that is, was filled with fond memories of the entire family gathering at her house for holidays, big meals, because her mom was so great at bringing people together, and she liked to host. She liked to gather people that Mm -hmm. she loved and have them around her. Now, like all families, there were ups and downs. Um, Michael had actually struggled with drinking and partying with his friends when he was a little bit, I say younger, but actually Lavona is a little bit older than Michael. She was in her early 30s when they met. Michael was like 29. So he had spent a good portion of that point in time in his, in his adulthood, you know, having enjoying the freedoms of going out with friends and having drink and things like that. So when it came time to have a family and whatnot, he still enjoyed those situations. But when Miche was 13, she became extremely sick with meningitis. And when she had to have a spinal tap, her father could hardly handle the terrible pain that she that he was witnessing her go through I can hardly handle it yeah just the stories I've heard of Mm -hmm. them they sound absolutely awful excruciating yes yes and if you've ever been in labor and had something like a a epidural or something like that that's bad enough Mm. Mm -hmm. but to have a needle go right into your spine to extract the fluid no No. oh gosh so no at this point in time this was too much for Michael to bear, and he um, he made a plea with God that if he healed Miche, then he would stop his sinful ways, and he did, and he has not drank since. Wow! So he stuck to his end of the the he bargain. He did. He, he did. He did. He did. He did. Now Miche also has fond memories of vacations, playing on the beach with her father. She's extremely close with her dad, and always has been. They have a very special bond. Miche's parents were the kind where they had boundaries. You know, they had expectations, but she was never fearful of any sort of physical punishment or anything like that. But she knew to respect her parents and to respect those boundaries and those rules. Her parents helped her understand that there are choices in life. And if you choose unwisely, well, there are consequences for Mm -hmm. that. So she described herself in her book as being a really cheeky child. She said that she was a good teen because she didn't go out and get drunk or high and then go home 
um, and, and she felt like she couldn't do that because how would she possibly then go home to the parents that she respected, right? Not to say that she didn't ever push boundaries like every normal teen and, you know, attend parties like every normal teen and things like that, but she wasn't a troubled teenager by any stretch of the imagination. And her parents were extremely straightforward about things, which helped Miche earn their, her, you know, her respect for her parents. They kept promises that they made, that sort of thing. Now, Miche attended several really good schools. Her mom always wanted her to do really well academically, so that meant a good school. They actually had family members help transport her 25 minutes to a really good high school in, oh God, it starts with a Z and has a W, a Y, and a K in it. I think that's good enough for the listeners. How do I pronounce this? Just, uh, just like that. There's a Z, there's, a Y, there's, a couple it's, Ks. It's literally Z W A A N S W Y K. Zwanswick. Oh boy, guys. Love you all dearly. Please don't at me about this. I don't speak Africans. That's <laughs> just the the long and the short of it. And someone out there will know. I even put a phonetic uh, connotation in here in my notes and I still can't pronounce it okay so <laughs> I tried but I'm still failing miserably over here so anyway Zwanzweck uh, where she met Eric her high school sweetheart and what would be eventually the father of her daughter Sophia so Miche does have a daughter we'll get to that in a bit and So she was always told that she would probably have a hard time having babies because her mother did, but she had no problem getting pregnant with Sophia. Sophia was unexpected, but, you know, a welcome blessing into her life. Now, Eric is a little bit older, but when they met, she was in ninth, what we would consider ninth grade. Now, they name their schooling a little bit different over in South Africa than we do, so kind of putting more of our... um. American spin on this just to help reference for people but so Eric was older but they met when she was in ninth grade now her mom did not really care for Eric she would tell me Shay that you know what he talks too much and that's not good and she also (laughs) this is my favorite advice I think ever this was her advice quote a good-looking man is everyone's man end Ah, quote that's you know She's not far off. Right? I really, really loved that. I was like, damn. So, in other words, go pick an ugly guy and you'll be happy forever? I, I don't know. but it makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Yep. It does hold to be true. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm all for the dad bod. Absolutely. I would not. I would knock a dad bod as a joke, but never, never uh, being serious because, I mean, I love my husband's dad bod. Mm-hmm. I love my own dad bod. Yeah. I'm fine with it. <laughs> so I would take a man's dad bod. That's I'd right. be totally fine with that. It's totally fine. As much as Miche excelled in school, high school was a bit of a, a a bit difficult for her. Okay, she had a little bit of moments where she lost focus, and although she did not go get drunk and high, she did like to hang out at parties and be social. But like I said before, nothing too extreme. Plus, having a boyfriend kind of made her change her focus a little bit from school as it does it does it does yep now don't get me wrong she was still doing good but she was no longer top 10 in the class like she was um, a little younger grades put her back absolutely happens to the best of us judge free zone don't worry about it now she planned to actually go into social work or psychology don't Don't do do it. it because she had always been interested in how people work just so you know that was completely unscripted. We don't have oh, scripts God, here. No. That's Run. just how we we are. I literally turned back before it's too late. I put in my notes, don't do it, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's great helping people. They're the best. So I'm that's- sure people are gonna be lining up for my therapy now. <laughs> no. <laughs> totally joking. I no, love everyone. It is um we're in, encroaching. It takes the right person. Yeah, we're sure. encroaching on 20 years under our belt. We're the seasoned and veterans with the SIG hanging out of our mouths. Yes. Like, like Rizzo, you know, like yes. that's definitely me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at this point in the game. Like, let me tell you. 
All right, kid. Uh I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, that's me. I remember having like that huge, I can still feel that feeling in my heart of like, I really want to help people. But then having like the actual, actual society just beat me down. Like you aren't helping at all. But Mm -hmm. then you have those victory moments where like one kid. Yeah, you do have. You do. You have you do. Those I bet I'm sure you do in therapy. For I know sure, in CPS sure. I would have like that one kid that would hug me and say thank you and you know, yeah. makes it all worth it. But whew, definitely whew. there's those moments that are totally worth it. But that's you know, when you get to be a seasoned veteran, it's not all it's not all puppies and candy canes. It's not I'm way too good at that. I don't it's scary. How good I am at that. <laughs> Is that actually how you talk? Maybe that's who I'm, I'm coming into being. Like I'm becoming like the seasoned veteran. Give me a semi and some cigars. I guess it's time for me to I feel switch like gears. The next time I see you I'll be driving a rig somewhere. Yes. And you're gonna have like a cig hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> so, like I said, Misha's childhood really doesn't have a lot of drama no, to it speak sounds, of. It sounds overall pretty, I mean. Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It did. School, friends, just normal life. And she, um, as I had said, she wanted to go into psychology, sociology, things like that. Because she was really into what she described as soft studies, like religion, cultural things. She was not a fan of math and science. Same girl, oh, same. Oh, Yeah. And because she was basically an only child, because Gerald was 10 years older than her, she was spoiled, 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 and had her father wrapped around her little fingers. And that's, that's great. Absolutely. My child is spoiled as well. He's an only child. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. All of mine are, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> so I'm sure they would argue that, you know, some we like one more than the other and blah, 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 but it's all bullshit. <laughs> I don't like any of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> None of you are the favorites. That's right. The dogs yes. are my favorites. Joke's on you guys. So. Those allegations have been made to me. I do. <laughs> I, I cannot confirm nor deny, but the, they have been put out there I'm, I'm that sure. I favor the dogs. <laughs> So Livonia actually helped make ends meet by being a seamstress. That's a lost art over here in this this country, I'll tell you that. She even made a lot of Miche's clothing. Now, at the time that Miche's life changed forever, which we will talk about soon, her mom actually was making a dress for a special event coming up, which would be the equivalent of like what we would call prom. Miche had that coming up. And so her mom, they call it a matrix ball. And sounds way cooler. Oh yeah, absolutely. This how this is her junior year, what would be her junior year in high school. So they're getting preparations for that, okay? Making mom's making her the dress, all of that stuff. Now, in January 2015 of her junior year, a friend came up to Miche and told her that she just saw her little sister um in the hallway. And obviously Miche's like a little confused cuz she's like, "Um, no, I don't I don't have a little sister. She's like, yeah, an eighth grader just started at the school. And for them, eighth grade is in the high school. Okay. So she's like, there's an eighth grader that just started at the school and she looks just like you. So, of course, enough people had said this to her that Misha's like, okay, I would like to know who everybody seems to think this girl looks like me. Like, she's almost a little offended. Like, no one looks like me but me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's a junior in high school. I would want to see what was... Going what the on fuss too. is about, and yeah. I'll just, I got to throw this out there right now. Misha's gorgeous. Okay, so. She's like, who is this? Absolutely. Imposter. Mm-hmm. This younger imposter, yeah, right? Yeah, So, the two meet, and she is introduced to eighth grader Cassidy Nurse. Now, Misha was a bit put off, like I said, because she didn't want anyone acting like they looked alike, especially not a little eighth grader. And the teachers also took notice and had mistaken Cassidy for Miche's little sister and was like, oh, do you have an older sister in 11th grade? And Cassidy's like, no, I'm the oldest of my family. I, mm-hmm. we, we do not. But ironically, Cassidy and Miche do become friends. And, you know, throughout the school year. And one day when Miche was being picked up from school by her fast-talking boyfriend, uh, Cassidy was walking next to her. Now, Cassidy's father's name is Morn Nurse. 
might be Mornay. So sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but over here in America, this is how we would pronounce the spelling is Morn. And he was waiting in the car to pick Cassidy up when she saw, or excuse me, when he saw Miche walking with Cassidy. So he called her over, asked her how long she had been going to that school. Miche said, well, I've been here since, you know, eighth grade and now I'm in 11th. So he smiled and was like, okay, wonderful. Have a, have a great day. They said their goodbyes. And Miche and Cassidy continued to be friends. They even had deep talks. In, a, in, in her book, Miche talks about how in a way she really felt sorry for Cassidy because Cassidy's parents were divorced. It was a very dramatic divorce that was very hard on Cassidy. And her home life seemed chaotic. And so it made Miche even more grateful for the stability of her own home. Now, whenever they were together, people would, of course, make remarks about how the two looked like twins. And they would often, they started developing a relationship where they would joke about it. Now, Cassidy seemed to really gobble up and love the attention from an older sister type. In Miche figured it was because her own home life was not that happy. And so she was finding comfort in having kind of an older sister type, right? So Miche even goes home, tells her mom and dad about Cassidy Nurse. And her father was like, you know what? I know of the Nurse family because I used to work with Mr. Nurse Morn and um, with his sister, or excuse me, and his sister, Michael's, meaning Michael's sister, actually lived on the same street as the Nurse family. Oh. So small, you know, small world mm-hmm. type things. So she's like, oh, that's so funny that, you know, everyone thinks you and Cassidy look alike. I know Morn and, you know, my sister lives on there, lives right next to them. One Friday afternoon, Miche and her group of friends were walking from school to a nearby McDonald's. And they invited Cassidy, Miche invited Cassidy to go along. Cassidy's like, well, that's great, but I don't have any money. So she's like, no problem. I will buy your lunch. She told her to call her dad, let uh, Morn know that, hey, you can pick me up from McDonald's. I'm going to go have lunch with Miche instead of at the school. So later, Morn meets them at McDonald's and asked Miche a lot of questions. Lots of questions about her family, where she was born, that kind of thing. And he was on the phone with someone while he was doing this. Now, this is a little weird for Miche, right? But she's a junior in high school and Morn's an adult. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, really, what's she going to do? Question what he's doing, right? So he asked her for, Morn had actually asked her for a photo of her mom and dad. And then right after he asked her that, he suddenly switches, switches off his phone and then is like, you know what? How about I buy you guys lunch? And Miche's like, yeah, we just ate. I bought Cassidy lunch. So she goes back. Miche goes to the bathroom. And when she came back, Morn was smiling. And it made her feel really uneasy. She actually recalled having this thought of, is this dude flirting with me? Oh. Like, this is really creepy and weird. You know, she was feeling unsettled. He wasn't. I don't want to throw that. That's. Mm-hmm. I don't want people believing that that, if they like are about to stop the podcast or something like no I, that's not I what was, he was getting doing. a little cringed no vibe. she's just feeling uncomfortable she just wasn't like sure what it was uh, for right right exactly yeah. and she's a gorgeous you know teenage 17 mm-hmm. year old girl so she's just kind of getting kind of those vibes and it sucks for the men that try to just be nice <laughs> you know when there's creepers out there yep yep that's so and true. women too I mean yep. I'm not gonna just say men but that's an excellent point So then he asks her again for a photo of her parents. She's like, okay, weird flex, but I'm going to go ahead and just show them. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, so she she shows the, this is 2015, right? So there's Facebook, all that stuff. Sure. Shows picture and Morn's like, you know, you don't look anything like your parents. And she's a little put off by this. She's like, yes, I do. I look like my dad's side. Like my dad's side is dark. I have dark hair and dark eyes, you know. And Morn's like, actually, you look like Cassidy's mom. So she sh- he shows her a picture of Cassidy's mom. And Miche's like, nope, I don't see the resemblance at all. They're wrapping up their conversation. He offers to throw their garbage away. And that was it. The visit's over. They part ways. Cassidy goes home with Morn. And Miche goes on with her life. So now I'm going to take you to the morning that changes her life forever and really where this story begins. 
Miche was late to school on this particular day because she had a doctor's appointment. And as soon as she sat down in her math class, the principal came in and asked her to come to the office. And her friends were like, bro, the semester has just started. Like, what did you do? And of course, Miche's kind of laughing because she doesn't get in trouble, mm-hmm. especially not at school. You right. know, so she's just like, what could I have possibly done? You know, so she's laughing. She goes in to the principal's office and there are two social workers in the principal's office. And she's introduced to Leanna Goosen. And this name actually sounded familiar to her a little bit. She immediately was taken back to the day that she was at McDonald's with Cassidy and Morn because she thinks that that is the name that he was referencing when he was on the phone with someone. And so she's like, just has this weird connection in her brain. Yeah, yeah. And the social workers really take no time and care with her at all in getting down to brass tacks in my opinion, but also how Miche describes it in the book as well, and I happen to agree with her. So they tell Miche that in April 1997, there was a child named Zephanie Nurse who was stolen from the hospital the day that she was born, and they believed Miche to be that child. Wow. So they just jumped right into it. Like, yes. so on this day, blah, blah, blah. No side stories, build up, like sandwiching Amber. her with compliments first. Like, no. what kind of social workers are you? Well, we find out later one actually wasn't a social worker. She was a nurse. Okay. That who just happened to, to be there. But also, at the principal's office of the school, just suddenly. Yeah, that's horrible. Like, the trauma. Hey, yep. The, we think that you were stolen at birth, and here you go. It would have taken me about 45 minutes to get to To warm the it up subject. to that of, like, by the way. We're prepping. Mm-hmm. We're complimenting. Side stories. Sub stories. We're building rapport. My biography yes. in there. <laughs> I was born. I want you to know who I am before I give you this this knowledge. Right. That's right. horrible. This possible life-changing yes. you know, information. So what they wanted from her is they're like, really, what we're here for is a DNA test. Of course, she's extremely confused. Oh, my gosh. So they're just like. Bam, 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 bam. Hey, we think you were stolen at birth. Mind uh, giving us Give some us DNA? Give us a swab. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so, that's a lot. That's yeah. so much. Yes. And she's 17, so she doesn't, by South African law, she does not need her parents' consent to consent to a DNA test. Okay? Right. They ask her, she, obviously she's very confused, but they ask her when she was born. She said April 30th, 1997, in retreat hospital. And from that, they inf- inform her that there is... No record of Amisha Salomon being born April 30th, 1997 in Retreat Hospital. Oh, my gosh. So then she's informed that a formal investigation is underway and that her family was being questioned at that very moment wow. while she's in so the she's principal's office. So she's getting all of this stuff in the principal's office. Mm-hmm. And Miche remembers that in this moment when they tell her that, remember how I had said a family member takes her to school? Yeah, um, yeah, because she's 25 miles away and her her dad's an electrician. Her mom's a seamstress. Um, so the aunt brings her to school. She remembers that like those the past couple of mornings, her aunt said that she felt like she was being followed by someone. So she's like, so she was. How long has this investigation been going on? Right. Yeah. Exactly. She's like, oh, my gosh, they have been. She has been being followed, you know, by a white car. So Miche immediately, and I think this was is a very common reaction, she immediately gets angry. She felt like she was being drugged into another family's drama because remember um, that I had told you that Cassidy had, had confided in family struggles? Yeah. Well, one of the family struggles that Cassidy had confided to Miche was that her older sister was kidnapped out of the hospital and that her parents have spent Cassidy's entire life looking for their missing daughter because Cassidy is younger than Zephanie Nurse, who was stolen from the hospital. And when she told her that, you know, that was part of the thing that they kind of bonded over where Miche is like, gosh, that must be terrible, and now they're divorced, and, you know, she just she really needs an older sister figure in her life. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So she knows exactly what this is about. She's like, I befriended Cassidy. And because people think we look alike, now they think I'm the stolen baby. 
and she does not appreciate being sure. pulled into that family drama because Miche's family does not do drama. They are a very stable, yeah. typical nuclear family. And so she really doesn't even have the coping skills to cope with this because she's never like, had to I'm deal sorry. with nonsense like this. My yeah. mind can't process mm-hmm. this. Absolutely. That would be so awful, too, if you had a good family and then you're hearing that. Like, you loved your family and they Mm -hmm. were good to you. Mm -hmm. And then to hear that, it's like, wait, what? We will get to that. Yep. Miche even remembers. Remember how I told you that she went home when she had first met Cassidy and talked to her parents? Yeah. About how, like, oh, my gosh, everybody at school thinks that I look like... Oops. Yeah, yeah. Look like this girl. Were they like, eh. <laughs> They literally, legitimately, Michael was like, I know the nurses. But he even recalled when Zephanie Nurse was stolen. And he told the story to Miche. He's like, yeah, they that family's been through a lot. Oh, when, my gosh. When um, they had a baby and it was stolen from the hospital, Michael helped search. Wow. For the kidnapped child. He So he, he even openly told the story. Like, yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I know what you all must this be thinking. This is getting thinking. juicy. I know. I know what you're all thinking. Hold on to your butts. Because it's not all what the we're actually parts. thinking. Nope. I don't know if I can hold all of them at once, but I will try. I'm sitting across from you and I can tell you, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need some extra hands. Oh. So, hold hold all the parts. <laughs> I mean, your butt is small enough you could hold that yourself, but your titties, girlfriend, sorry. Yeah, you're going to need some backup hands. It will take my hands, your hands, and probably anybody (laughs) else that's willing to volunteer, and I bet we'd get plenty. (laughs) Uh, So, in South Africa, as I had said, she could consent to it. To the DNA swab. So she's like, you know what? Yeah, let's do this. Oh, so she does consent to it. She's like, let's clear this up because you guys are ridiculous. There is no way. No, let's get this. She wants this done and out of her life. So at this time, they would not allow her to call her parents or anyone, which the whole way this was handled, mm, the the CPS worker in me and I know the therapist in you is going to be like, uh, say what? You know, I even understand the laws and the policy that go behind this. They have an active investigation. They don't want her contacting her parents just in case she's in on this and all of them have a chance to get their story straight. Yeah. I know that. But where was the support person of someone that she knew? Yeah. Because that's a a lot to put somebody through and then like, no, you can't talk to anybody. This is what happened. And right. Like having- a child. To put mm-hmm. a child through. Are you kidding? And frankly, is this how you would have handled it? Had she? Is it because she was 17 that you handled it this way? Or would you have handled it this way if she was 8, too? Right. Which is a scary thought. Which is thought. horrible. Mm-hmm. And some, can, some changes do happen because of the way this case was that's handled, good. too. I mean, I could tell you some horror stories about mm-hmm. workers showing up to residential doing some pretty heartless things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing, I mean, I'm not saying like abusive things, but no, heartless. but just right. Just not taking care of the human how being. how that impacts the person mm-hmm. that you're dropping all of this on. Yep. Yeah, it's horrible. Yep. The problem is this DNA t- test, even being like expedited, is going to take a couple of days. And she's not allowed to talk to her parents. She's not allowed to go home or go to any of her family because this investigation, they don't know how deep this goes. Because if those results are positive, who knows who, right. who was all involved in this? They're at the beginning stages. They have no idea. So they told her they're taking her to a safe house. And she's like, I cannot stay at a safe house. That's where orphans go. That's where children with no homes, children that are suffering, that have been abandoned, children that don't have loving parents. I have loving parents. How awful. Right. Right. And the other, oh, the other crime against her, and likely all 17-year-olds at this time, is her phone. She wasn't allowed to have her phone, oh, Amber. stop it. The horror. The horror. <laughs> that, would be hor- that would be hard for me. Right. Oh. Let alone a teenager. Yes. Which means she can't talk to her boyfriend. Oh. Yeah. She can't I mean, that's connect. Really they don't her. want her posting on social media. They don't want right. her. So it's like, I get it. But then it, like, she's the victim in this and she's yeah. really done nothing wrong. And all of right. a sudden they're just like, bam, and she's here's the all one the stuff. That is, is getting all the consequences. And that's exactly what it feels like to her. I bet. 
So the other social worker's name was Marchionette. And actually, she is a nurse. She was assigned to the case originally because, remember, they have been investigating this case for 17 years. Yeah. Okay. But Marchionette was assigned to the case actually with the intention of being there to help uh, Lavona because she had a heart condition. Somehow, she ends up going with the actual social worker to to deal with the news and transition and whatnot for Michelle. But they hit it off, okay? And, and Marchionette, not being a social worker, being a nurse, could see how at the safe house, this was not where she fit at all. And they're just waiting on this DNA test. And then after that, they'll take their next steps, right? So they the two do end up forming a good relationship. And Michelle talks very positively about her in the book, saying she is the one one of the adults that did a really good job explaining things to me so that they would make sense. Oh, that's good. Yes. At least. Yeah, she but, had but that. she still was a total stranger right. at the end of the day, you know. Miche, now at this point, this is the story from Miche's point of view. I will get to Michael's in a minute, but at the safe house, Michael is allowed to come, okay, at some point on this same day when they are doing the DNA swab, all right? She could see that Michael is very worried, stressed, confused. He has no idea what's going on. At this moment, the police are questioning Livonia at the house. So neither Michael nor Miche, of course, are allowed to go to the house. And a police officer was also there at the safe house in front of Miche with uh, the social worker and the nurse. And the officer told Michael that they would find out if he was lying. So he's immediately like, Michael hasn't been interviewed by the police yet when he goes to meet Miche at this safe house. And this police officer is just like, We want the story. We're going to know if you're lying to us. Michael got really angry and was like, I'm not lying. Miche is my daughter and Lavona gave birth to her. Like, what more do you want from me? So the police were treating Michael very poorly in front of Miche, which she writes about of like that. That would have been horrible, too. Yep. And she wasn't having it. She's like, absolutely not. She started getting giving the police officers hell for treating Michael that way. And especially saying, you have zero proof that he has done anything wrong. She just submitted to the DNA test a couple of hours ago. They don't have results back. Why are you treating my father like a criminal? Good for her. How how insightful for her to be able to recognize that, too, you know? Michael repeats to the police that he has nothing to do with what's going on. Miche is his daughter and that he is just as confused as everybody else. What they end up settling on is that Miche is going to go to Marchionette's house. And Michael was uncomfortable at first. Like, you have to remember, Miche doesn't even stay the night at friends' houses. She has not been away from her parents in 17 years. They're a very close family. She would go out and hang out with friends. But then her parents would come and get her at like, you know, midnight, one, whatever. She never actually stayed the night places. She was always with her parents. So for That's Michael. Been so hard. Right. For Michael, he's like, what the heck? She's never even stayed away from us. What are we What are we going to do? And Miche recalls that she got a really good gut feeling about Marchionette and was like, I'll be okay, you know, at her house. And, and she actually has three or four boys. I can't remember now. So she was really excited to have a, a girl in the house, a teenage girl that she could kind of talk and bond to. So that wasn't all bad in right. that, you know, in that way. But, and they had no choice. So I do want to tell you at this point in the story what Michael's point of view was and how it went down for him. So he was at work and he got a call from his wife saying that the police were there to talk to him about the missing baby Zephanie nurse. So Michael didn't think anything of it and literally went back to work, kind of wondering like, well, what the hell is my wife going to know about that? But whatever, they can ask her anything they want. About 10 minutes later, he gets a call from um, Lavona's sister, lived in a house on their property, like in the back of their property, a little a little house. So he gets a call from her saying, you need to come home because the police need to speak to you. But they can't come to you your work because at the time, Michael was actually working in a national security um, facility. And so the police wouldn't have been able to meet the clearance to get in. So he gets home as he's instructed and no one's there. But then he gets a call from Officer Barkhausen, 
who was actually one of the lead, you know, officers on this case, mm-hmm. who told him, meet me in Weinberg. This uh, this is where we're taking Miche. And so they met at the safe house. All right. That's all he knows. And at this point, this is when he walks into the safe house. So all all Michael knows is he's got these two phone calls from work, goes home, no one's there, and then goes and meets his daughter who he who's supposed to be in school at a safe house and he's being told that he can't take her home. Yeah. Or talk to her privately at all. And of course, you know, she has questions. They all have questions. It's it's very confusing. And Quite frankly, in Michael's opinion, you know, it felt like at this point in time, they're saying your daughter's being taken away from you for something that he had. He's like, she's my daughter. Why? What authority do you have to take her away from me? I'm telling you what I know, you know. This sounds just so traumatic for all. It, exactly. Trauma. Yeah. That was 100 percent. As I'm reading this book and Miche's words, she did. She spoke to an author and an author wrote her book. And an author wrote her book for her, okay? Uh-huh. Because she's not a, you know, she's not an author. Right. But so she told her story and then somebody else put it yes. into you. Gotcha. And she did a beautiful job. The author, which we'll talk about later, did a really wonderful job making sure that she said everything good, bad, and ugly, you know, that Miche had said. So... But she interviewed, it's not just Miche, she did interviews of other people and told their perspectives as well. Oh. And I'm not going to steal everything from the book. There are the perspectives of the lawyers in this case, the perspectives of all the social workers. It is a fascinating book of, of how all this went down. So I definitely encourage you guys to read it. Plus, it would be supporting uh, Miche, which would be great as well. So definitely you know grab that but at this point in time this these are michael's words where he is like this is this is how it went down for me this is how i learned all of this you know as as i had mentioned earlier machinette was a nurse and she was assigned to the case for livonia well when they first arrived at the house livonia Livona, sorry, Livonia is actually a, a county it in is. Michigan. Yes. And the spelling of Livona's name and Livonia is nothing but one. It's separated by one I. So if I say Livonia, guys, sorry, that's my brain yeah, plugging in a Michigan county. Here, it's so. not. So anyway, so this detective who had been working the missing person Zephanie nurse case for 17 years, you know, talks to the sister that lives in the back and she's like, well, sorry, she's a, you know, she's at work. And he's like, you need to call her. Don't tell her what this is about, but tell her to come here. Did you know that Miche is not Lavona's child? And of course, her sister is like, you're nuts. This is absolutely Lavona's child. I have no problem calling her and having her come here to clear all of this out. She was in complete and total shock, just like the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. When Lavona arrived at the house... To meet the police, she was totally calm. And like I said, her sister wasn't allowed to tell her why she needed to meet the police. But she off- she was smiling, laughing, offered them tea. She kept saying, you know, they were questioning her. She kept saying, no, that's not right. Miche is my daughter. I can show you photos. Now, they had even let her know at this point in time, we have information, Lavona, that you went to Swartland to obtain a birth certificate which is a bit of a distance away. You know, ordinarily you would get a birth certificate from the, the area, the mm-hmm. county that you, um, in our in our laws anyway, it's the county that you were uh, gave birth in, right? And she's like, nope, I did go to Swartland, but it was to visit someone there, and I can show you photos of that. So the entire time she's very calm, said Miche was hers, and without question, she submitted to a DNA test, no hesitation, nothing. So at this point in time, Mashinette, the nurse, was like, ooh, I think this whole thing is bogus and that they've got the wrong kid. Because if Lavona or Michael had legitimately stole this child, like... They wouldn't have wanted to do the test. Yeah, she's not easily submitting to a DNA test. Michael's easily submitting to a DNA test. And Mashinette had saw that. So she's like... Everyone here is so willing to do this. Because I thought it was absurd, it right. sounds like. Yep. So she's like, no, this is this is bogus. We are on, we're chasing the wrong tail here, in other words. And that is where I'm going to end episode oh, one. 
Okay. Right in the juicy middle. Yes. <laughs> the very juicy middle. I hate to leave you hanging in the juicy middle, but. I mean, some people might like the juicy yeah. middle. I don't know. I'm a fan. I won't <laughs> lie. So, so I'll let you just oh. ruminate on it okay. for, for a week. Okay. Wow. But I, right. do have, I do have a brain bath for you. I'm just acting shocked for the audience because I will literally get to hear the rest in like five minutes. Correct. But for, for everyone else, I am. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. All the Patreons literally get to hit play on the next episode. Yes. The rest of you guys don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's the way the world works, you know? Yeah. yeah. But. Hang tight. You'll get part two. Yeah, you'll get the rest. You will, but not before I tell you a really interesting. Oh yeah, please do share. Um, brain bath. It's short, okay, and and a little different. I have questions. I don't even have the full full article, but the title was like, "We got to share this." Oklahoma man strangles his fishing buddy to death. Oh God. And then blames it on Bigfoot. <laughs> what? You see now why I was like. Like how desperate are you? You had nothing else. It gets more weird. Okay. A, this just happened. So this is, we're recording this on 7-15. So literally this like was just 7-14, 2022. Um, this is from Spooky, Weird, and Cool. A fishing trip in in. Pontotoc County, Oklahoma, turned bloody last week when a 50-year-old man suddenly lashed out and murdered his friend, then blamed it all on Bigfoot. Larry Sanders was charged with first-degree murder after he confessed to killing his fishing buddy, Jimmy Knighton. While Sanders claims that Knighton had threatened to summons a, quote, Sasquatch or Bigfoot. So Larry was legit scared, it sounds like. To eat him and that he had no choice but to beat and strangle his friend to death. No, stop it. Yeah, because he was like, I'm going to summon Sasquatch to eat your ass. What kind of eating the ass are we talking about? Do we (laughs) Well, this might clear. Is it the good guy? (laughs) This might clear it up. Police think that Sanders was likely high on meth at the time. There we go. Okay. He misunderstood. There we go. I think that Jimmy Knighton was, as you said, summonsing him to do the good eating of the ass. And he misunderstood. And the meth made it hard to understand. And so this Larry was like, no other choice. So uh, for this, though, he's going to face the death penalty more than likely. Oh, okay. Like, you don't just brutally murder your fishing buddy. And I don't know why the fact that it's his fishing buddy is important. It is. I couldn't. There's history. He's a friend. I couldn't find, were they fishing at the time? Or is it just like, oh, my God, he murdered Jimmy Knighton? That's his fishing buddy. I do. Be- I want to believe they were fishing at the time. And his friend's like, I'll do it. I'm going to do I, it. I'm going to get I, it. I, I'm going to call Sasquatch. But do are wow. you high on meth and then decide to go fishing? Inquiring minds want to know. I, I don't know. I don't see why you wouldn't. But this is his, his long, sad oh, face. Yeah. He does look upset. And I mean, he doesn't look like what you would think of as a, a common meth user. I mean, I've no, seen worse. It's so true. He doesn't have the source for sure. But uh, I, maybe it was one of his first dabbles and he just didn't handle the high well I and got murdered. I can't imagine that they didn't have some kind of a chuckle even out of a you've got to be freaking kidding me absolutely when he was like sasquatch did it yeah like he blamed it on it was sasquatch's fault yes he when, was going to summon sasquatch i had like, no yeah, choice. what else was i gonna do it was self-defense because had he summoned him then what i'd be dead exactly sasquatch was gonna eat me now, when I first, when you first read it, I thought maybe Sasquatch did, did it, did and the I was going to come to his defense. Like, do we know he didn't? Right. 
We don't know exactly why the clickbait worked for me. Right. That's how I ended up clicking it is because I was like, oh, honey, I can't And it was more, way more than what you expected. Absolutely. Yeah. Nope. It was Sasquatch was going to be wow. summoned, which can you summons him? And if you can, why don't more people do this? Clearly. I'd invite him to a party. It drove Larry to fear where he had to fight for his life. And obviously he's never seen Harry and the Hendersons. No. Because had he, he would know he would be a loving member of the family. Right. So, we, we don't know. that. I mean, that is a teaching moment, everyone. It is. And don't do math. <laughs> I had a different brain bath planned for today, but that one's just going to have to be tucked away. Took because precedence, yes. It, it really did. A murdering Sasquatch. You do a little meth, and all of a sudden you're facing the death penalty. I that, mean, see, you just... Make good choices, yeah. people. Yeah. Also, please don't give Bigfoot a bad rap. We don't know that he eats people. He might we be vegetarian. We don't know that. How presumptuous. He could be cuddly. He could be. <sighs> he might just be single. You Is know, he single? <laughs> ready to mangle. <laughs> I, we don't know. He's just looking for love. Yeah. And we're giving him such a bad rap because humans are the worst. They so, are. Just like and Larry sucks. And Larry Sanders here. Larry does suck. I mean, yeah, probably Sanders. when he came off of that meth, he was like, Shit, what, Fucking what did me. I do? I have <laughs> yeah. messed up. I have made a mistake. <laughs> Absolutely. There has been a gross misunderstanding, everyone. I wonder if he tried to clear it up. Like, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Uh, hi, Larry. This isn't me. Yeah, that, not... that was hi, Larry. Uh, regular not Larry. Larry is not it's, murdering. It's me, Larry, now. right. right. Me, Larry, Larry Sanders. I know he couldn't really summons Bigfoot. I'm sorry. Oh, Larry, you are That's screwed, my friend. That's too bad. Yeah, so rest in peace to Jimmy Knighton. Yeah, um, I hope he at least went out doing something that he enjoyed. That Either like the fishing. meth or the I was fishing, like, I don't know. Or was it meth Never fishing? One. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Do they combine the two? I'm not sure. But no, that's seriously, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But wow, of all yes, the I, excuses. I don't mean to make light of Jimmy's death, but I, I did just feel like we should let everybody know that that that's what Larry Sanders' defense <laughs> is going to be. The defense is probably like, come on. Hey, if we can have the Peter that one uh Peterson case, Catherine Catherine Peterson. Oh yeah. Where they said an owl pushed her down the stairs. You we can what? have a Bigfoot summoning. The sky is the limits. You just never know. In, a, in America. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have a fabulous rest of your day. Follow us on social media. Um, join our Patreon if you want to help keep us on the air, crimecuriouspatreon.com. If you do join our Patreon, then after you do so, you can join our private Facebook group that's only for Patreon members as well. And send case suggestions or brain bath ideas if you'd like to uh, crimecurious at yahoo.com. And until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.